Tonight, have you heard there is an EV revolution brewing? Uh, please start the revolution without me. It's Thursday, September 15th, 2022. I'm David Menzies, and this is the Ezra Levent Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. Folks, the other day, the latest issue of Car and Driver plopped in my mailbox. Well, that's not completely true. I don't have a mailbox. I'm one of those second-class Canadian citizens who doesn't receive home mail delivery. I have to schlep over to some community mailbox thingy for the privilege of carting home copious quantities of junk mail. You know, they say the postman always rings twice, but at my home, he never rings that bloody doorbell. Anyway, I did eventually crack open this September issue of Car and Driver and was surprised to see it was their second annual all-electric vehicle issue. Surprised, that is, because when Car and Driver published their first all-EV issue last year, the periodical received perhaps the greatest amount of hate mail in Car and Driver's 67-year history. Hey, who knew? Turns out most car and driver readers care less about EVs and more about V8s. But hope, as always, abounds, I suppose. And kudos to Editor-in-Chief Tony Kuroga, who basically implies in his editorial that he's expecting another avalanche of hate mail for this current issue about EVs. But he implores his readers to, quote, don't confuse coverage with infatuation, end quote. But if you are indeed infatuated with EV car stories, this issue is definitely for you. There are stories about EV SUVs and EV sedans, and I know this is heresy for so many of you, EV pickup trucks. There are EV vehicle reviews, and there are columnists waxing poetically about EVs and There's even a weird story about regular citizens who welcome EV drivers into their homes to charge their vehicles. I picked up a Silence of the Lambs vibe reading that one. Nevertheless, as Johnny Carson's sidekick, Ed McMahon, used to bellow, everything you need to know about electric vehicles is in this issue of Car and Driver. And as Johnny would reply... Um, not quite hydroelectric breath. You see, as the EV revolution sallies forth, there are some not-so-glowing stories that must be noted about these vehicles that have ditched fossil fuels. Indeed, not to dump on progress, but allow me to outline why EVs are not really the miraculous planet-saving vehicles that those in power would have you believe. First and foremost, there's the price tag. The cover story of this issue of Car and Driver is the proclamation of the EV of the year. And spoiler alert, it's not a luxury-laden Jaguar or a wickedly fast Lucid. It's a humble Hyundai Ioniq 5. The Ioniq 5 does not boast the fastest speed nor the longest range, but rather, in the words of Car and Driver, the Hyundai Ioniq 5 is a, quote, car priced for the real world, end quote. Well, let's just pump the brakes here for a second, shall we? The price of the Ionic 5 
uh, car and driver tested is $57,490. Now that's before taxes and fees. So add about another 11 grand to the off the lot price. So is a $69,000 EV really a so-called car priced for the real world? If so, what planet is car and driver residing on? Just to take a quick detour for a second, I will say this, Hyundai has come a long, long way since the days of the not-so-dearly-departed pony circa 1985. In fact, Hyundai build quality back then was so awful that the very name Hyundai used to be akin to an automotive slur. Check out that immortal put-down by Alec Baldwin, that savage sales trainer in the superb 1992 film, Glengarry Glen Ross. I've been in this business 15 years. What's your name? Fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> you know why, mister? Because you drove a Hyundai to get here tonight. I drove an $80,000 BMW. That's my name. Wow. In three decades, Hyundai has gone from a punchline to a cover girl. But I digress. By the way, while the advertised sticker price is hefty enough for EVs as is, Given that there is a huge supply shortage out there, please note that the dealer markups on EVs especially are brutal right now. Case in point, do you know the sticker price of the 2022 Ford F-150 Lightning EV is US $69,554? But get this, folks, the dealer markup is an astonishing U.S. 73341 Yes, the dealer markup is actually more than the price of the vehicle itself. That makes the asking price more than U.S. $142,000. In other words, you can have one electric Ford 150 or two gas-powered F-150s for the same price. Geez, where oh where is my I Heart Fossil Fuels t-shirt when I really need it? But you know, whether or not you clamor for an EV, I'm fine with whatever your decision is. Heck, maybe you won the lottery and money is no object. Choice is a good thing. Make no mistake, folks, we are currently living in a golden age of automobiles. You want a mini-size or a monster-sized SUV? Hey, you got it. You're into retro-themed muscle cars? Well, the Detroit 3 are serving as well with offerings like the Mustang, Camaro, and Challenger. Maybe you want to save on gas? Well, there are hybrids galore out there. And if you're into hauling cargo and or people, many minivans are still being manufactured as long as you don't mind driving the automotive embodiment of the white flag of suburban surrender. The point is... There is a vehicle for every need, want, and desire. Better yet, the build quality has never been better. But I fear this golden age of autodom is coming to an end. In the past year, four out of every 10 new vehicle launches were for an electrified vehicle. Many more are on the way, and I'd be perfectly fine with this trend if it were being driven by the free market economy. But it isn't. No, EV propaganda and proliferation is a direct result of government meddling and even quasi-government meddling. Case in point, the World Economic Forum and the United Nations, both entities being unelected and non-accountable, are increasingly telling us how to live our lives based on climate change. 
They want us to get from point A to point B, preferably by public transit. They want us to eat bugs. They want us to abandon single family dwellings and live in high rise apartment buildings. These are the build back better types, hypocritical fun burglars who worship at the altar of saving the planet. Oh, not that WEF head honcho Klaus Schwab is going to give up his private jet or his chauffeur-driven limo, mind you. All these lifestyle changes are for the great unwashed masses. Here, check out the increasingly creepy Bill Gates. He's attending some event to preach about sustainability and whatnot. Did he commute there via bicycle? <laughs> well, let's just roll the video. Bill Gates just arrived at the Cascadia Innovation Corridor Conference in this very environmentally friendly helicopter. How are you guys today? So is this an electric helicopter? Is this helicopter electric? These are our Bill Gates pilots trying to figure out if he arrived today on an electric helicopter or if it takes jet fuel. They don't seem to want to be answering our questions because this is a climate change conference where they want net zero carbon emissions, but this produces a lot of carbon emissions. What do you guys have to say? Well, now, wasn't that special? I guess that helicopter was powered by dilithium crystals and the GMC Yukon operates on fairy dust. What an appalling hypocrite Bill Gates is. Thanks to capitalism, Thanks to free market economies, Gates started Microsoft out of his garage back in the 70s and went on to become the richest man in the world. And now that he has achieved the pinnacle of the American dream, he wants us to tear the system down to prevent anyone else from doing likewise. Anyway, Mr. Close and Mr. Gates, how about a compromise here? I know you really love the idea of us embracing bugs on the menu, so I'll tell you what, I'll meet you halfway by driving a Volkswagen Beetle. But here's the really scary thing. Certain real-life actual governments are on the warpath to actually outlaw gas-powered vehicles. Exhibit A, the state of California, which is planning to ban the sale of new gas vehicles by 2035. That's not very far away, folks. And get this, 17 other states south of the border ranging from New York and Massachusetts to Oregon and Washington, are now considering following California's lead. I'm sure you've noticed a predictable trend here. Yeah, they're all blue states, of course. But back to California Governor Gavin Newsom, he foresees a, fear, a near future in which the vast majority of vehicles, from personal cars to public transit buses, are 100% emissions-free. And yet, in the here and now, just consider the pressure that already exists when it comes to California's power grid. Check out this story from just last week in the National Review. Quote, punishing heat wave in California has triggered rolling blackouts and brownouts. But don't blame climate change. The crisis is largely due to the state electric grid's over-reliance on unreliable green energy 
in a time of record energy demand, end quote. Yeah, Californians are being told to conserve their energy, conserve being a kinder, more gentle word for rationing, by the way. And consider this, there are more than 14 million cars in California. What would be the effect on the grid in the decades ahead if all those 14 million plus predominantly gas-powered cars are replaced with electric vehicles? There could be a solution to this impending energy crisis in California if the state were to embrace nuclear power. But the precise opposite is true. According to Energy Wire, the reactors at the Diablo Canyon power plant, that is California's last remaining nuclear power plant, are being phased out. One reactor is scheduled to be shuttered in 2024. The second one is set to shut down in 2025. Apparently, these closures are part of a settlement agreement reached by the plant operator, Pacific Gas and Electric Company, local authorities, and of course, environmental groups. Now, I don't think one needs to be a mathematics scholar here to see the impending doom California is headed for next decade as nuclear power is phased out and millions of electrical vehicles are phased in. This is madness. And this energy policy insanity is being generated by nothing more than political virtue signaling. Gee, if only we could harness the hot air that comes from the mouth of Democrats. Oh, not that the political or celebrity elites will ever be affected by future brownouts and blackouts, mind you. The likes of Leonardo DiCaprio and Jane Fonda, oh, they'll be sure to have state-of-the-art fossil fuel-powered generators at their mansions. They won't be going without air conditioning for a single second. And there's no way their Teslas are going to be reduced to six-figure paperweights thanks to the grid collapsing yet again. We're all in this together, after all, unless you happen to be a member of Club Beautiful People. They're special, after all. Another thing to consider, New York is one of the states looking at following California's ban on fossil fuel cars. Have they thought this through? Look, there are some 3 million people who live in apartment buildings in New York City alone. Where is the infrastructure there? to allow for charging stations for all those EVs. <laughs> Oops. And let's consider that witch's brew of minerals that goes into those EV batteries, shall we? A recent paper published by the WEF states the following, quote, This transition from fossil fuels to renewables will need large supplies of critical metals such as cobalt, lithium, nickel, to name a few. Shortages of these critical minerals could raise the costs of clean energy technologies, end quote. Do you know, folks, that about 70% of the world's supply of cobalt supplied last year came from the Congo? And that about 40,000 cobalt miners in the Congo are actually children? Oh, and guess which nation is increasingly controlling the supply of cobalt and other critical materials that are needed for clean energy technologies? Well, that would be China, of course. Do you really want the mandarins in Beijing to be in the driver's seat when it comes to producing the car batteries of the future that the WEF wants us to rely on?
Maybe this is what Justin Trudeau meant when he said that he admired the basic dictatorship of China in terms of, you know, getting things done. Or in our case, not getting things done, like landlocking trillions of dollars of Western Canadian oil and natural gas that could, you know, help out Europe's impending energy crisis due to a Russian energy embargo. And of course, the profits from that immense oil wealth could, you know, balance the budget since it looks like despite what Justin once promised, the budget is not going to balance itself. But no, in the name of climate change virtue signaling, the Justin Trudeau liberals want to keep our oil wealth underground. They want to help phase out fossil fuel vehicles, not for themselves, mind you. They love getting around in full-size GM SUVs. And then they want us to rely on China for the EV batteries. What could possibly go wrong with that energy strategy? Oh, one last point. What happens when EV virtue signaling potentially becomes a matter of life and death? The climate change cultists in Vancouver are downright euphoric about Vancouver being the first city in the country to receive an all-electric fire truck. Oh, goody. No CO2 emissions coming out of that pumper's tailpipe. We're saving the planet, right, Greta? How dare you? But here's what they don't want you to know. For starters, that e-fire truck costs $300,000 more than a comparable diesel model. It will pump 40% less water. It will have such a shockingly short range, about 30 kilometers, due to its hefty weight. By the way, that range issue thingy means the fire truck will be equipped with backup diesel power. Because, you know, if this vehicle runs out of power on the way to a house on fire, that might be a little embarrassing. Actually, it would be far more than embarrassing might prove deadly. But the city of Vancouver is prepared to roll the dice when it comes to the well-being of its citizens, apparently. And why? Oh, the city says this electronic fire truck will, will run more quietly than a diesel-powered fire truck. Yes, the idiots in charge actually said that. Apparently, they forgot that a fire truck racing to an emergency typically has a siren blaring at about 120 decibels, you know, so that others will get out of the way. Fire trucks are not meant to be silent vessels in the first place. So what's next in Vancouver? Electric-powered ambulances and e-police cruisers? Hey, how about electric hearses? You know, in a sense, I think I'm okay with that one, an EV hearse. If that vehicle runs out of juice en route to the graveyard, it doesn't really matter if one is late for one's own funeral, after all, does it? But seriously, this pricey electronic fire truck is the very worst example of climate change activism by loony leftists. They are literally playing games with the lives of people, all in the name of useless virtue signaling. This is irresponsible. This is despicable. So I'm so sorry, Mr. Schwab and Mr. Gates and Governor Newsom and Prime Minister Blackface and, yes, even Car and Driver magazine. 
when it comes to the EV revolution, please start the revolution without me. senseless attack on Monday, Toronto police officer Andrew Hong was fatally shot in Mississauga as he ate lunch. Also murdered by the same gunman was mechanic Shaquille Ashraf. Later, the gunman himself was killed by Hamilton police. These despicable crimes are equal parts shocking and egregious, but in the aftermath of the killings, it would seem that once again, the criminal justice system has failed. That's because the now-deceased suspect, 40-year-old Sean Petrie, was well-known to police. His rap sheet included convictions for possession of a firearm, robbery, sexual assault, child pornography, prostitution procuring, trafficking, impaired driving, and breaching bail conditions. And even so, folks, this individual was not behind bars, but walking the streets as a free man? Unbelievable. And joining me now to weigh in on this truly grotesque story is ex-Toronto police officer and current mayor of Toronto candidate, Blake Acton. Blake, so good to have you uh, on the show. Thank you for joining me. I wish it was under better circumstances. But before we get into your vision as uh, potentially the mayor of the city of Toronto, what do you make a of this senseless killing rampage that happened on Monday and the fact that the, the the deceased gunman had a rap sheet longer than anyone's arm that I know of. What do you have to say about this, Blake? Well, you know, it, it, it's plain as day. It's despicable. It, it, it's just horrible that that that, uh, that poor officer, uh, you know, uh, was not expecting it, and, and uh, it's been as described as he was ambushed. And um, you know. Here's a, an officer that joined the police force to help and serve the public, and he's going for, for something to eat and comes out, and boom, he, he's, he's taken out. And that, you know, we can say our condolences, and we can say we're so sorry what happened and all the rest, but we have to stop talking about it, and we have to start acting on it. And, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's painful to watch as a, as a retired police officer to see what's happening. Is, is so sad because there are people that are, and people don't realize this, a lot of the public do not realize that there are people walking the streets amongst us that are violent, violent people, and they shouldn't be walking the streets. They should be locked up. And, and, the and, problem and Blake, if I may, th this is the crux of the matter. You heard me read out his rap sheet. You just yes. said there are several other individuals who are very violent walking the streets. Why are they walking the streets? What is it with our justice system? I mean, these aren't shoplifters or joyriders. These are extremely violent criminals. Why aren't they behind bars to begin with? Why? Why? Because, you know, these, these people in, 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 in positions uh, at, in the federal level are, are they're like in little glass houses and, and it doesn't affect them. So if you walk the streets and you're in your amongst uh, the middle class and different areas, you know, you will be affected. But the, the, these lawmakers are very sheltered and, and it's very upsetting to see because, you know, 
I, 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 I can I'll bet my bottom dollar. It's going to continue to get worse, and it is. In the last eight years, it's been getting worse and worse and worse, and it's going to continue until finally the lawmakers say enough is enough. But the people have to speak up, and the people have to speak loud and clear and say, we've had enough. We want stricter, stronger penalties for these offenders. And, you know, I know that's one of the reasons why you are running to hopefully become mayor of Toronto, Blake. I mean, do you, looking back at New York City when it was uh, in its depths of despair uh, several decades ago, the philosophy of the broken windows uh, theory was put into place, and that was um, stop ignoring uh, little crimes because little crimes and little criminals become big crimes uh, by big criminals. And by that, I mean uh, fair hoppers, uh, people uh, littering, people putting graffiti on alley, uh, alleys. And that crackdown, which was originally um, you know, discounted by the liberal left, it paid dividends. New York became a far more safe and livable city. Unfortunately, there seems to be uh, a decline back into uh, how New York was in the 1970s right now with the current regime. But is that sort of your philosophy uh, that, yeah, sweat the small stuff, because when you turn a blind eye to it, you get uh, sanctuary cities that are crime ridden? You know, my blood boils when I hear this. Absolutely. We have to. It's that broken window effect. We have to start enforcing you know the jaywalking the, the broken windows the dirty streets but look at toronto now in the past eight years garbage all over the streets yep. you know we've got people saying defund the police we've got uh, uh all kinds of things i mean councils they're spending time worrying about whether a cat should be on a leash <laughs> it's absolutely appalling to see you know, these politicians talking about things that, that are, are, are irrelevant. In, in the, we're letting people camp out in, in, in parks. Okay, they're homeless. I feel terrible. We have, to, we have to address those issues. But there's bylaws, and we have to address the bylaws. The bylaws are not being addressed. So, you know, if you're, you're getting people getting away with, with minor crimes, and then they escalate to bigger crimes. So that broken window effect. Is, uh, I, I agree 100% with that, that we have to start getting the police to enforce, I don't care if it's, uh, you know, fail to signal, uh, fail to stop, at Thompson, whatever it may be, the littlest things have to start being looked into and enforced. Otherwise, look what's happening. It, 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 it's, it's, it's plain as day what's happening, and we have to stop that. And Blake, how would you describe the city of Toronto under John Tory's leadership? You're quite right. There are so many problems, serious problems in this city that once upon a time uh, was described as New York is run by the Swiss. Believe me, those days are over. And like you said, what is Mayor Tory and council obsessed over? Um, a bylaw to put cats on leashes. Um, officers, police officers going into Hyde Park to issue speeding tickets to bicyclists. Um, renaming Dundas Street and a slew of other streets because some woke warriors find these monikers uh, somehow triggering and offensive. I mean, how is it that 
the mayor and these counselors don't have their eye on the ball, Blake, when it comes to the real big issues that are truly making life miserable for people that live in this city. You know, I, I, I and I've mentioned this uh, on, on different uh, media stations, and, and I will again. Blake Acton is a taxpayer. He's not a politician. I'm not afraid of offending somebody if, the, if need be. And that's the problem. We're so politically correct right now that we're going in a different direction. And the people of Toronto that I'm speaking to are fed up with it, and it has to stop. I mean, worrying about whether a cat should be on a leash, whether the name Dundas Street is offensive to some people or not. Okay, maybe Dundas Street, it, it was, it was a, a bad name back in the day, and it was offensive. Get over it. Let's go. Do we have to go through every street in Toronto to find out if it's offensive and, and spend? I think they've got it right now at seven million dollars in order to change the, all the names and addresses and all. Absolute. If Blake Acton is elected, there's going to be a real change in Toronto, and I'm not afraid of challenge, and I will not back down from any councillor or anybody that does not want to make Toronto a safer, cleaner place for majority of the people, if not all the people. And, and Blake, tell me, indeed, when you go door knocking and you meet the citizens of Toronto, what is it that they're saying to you? What What are their concerns? What, what do they think about the current regime uh, running the city of Toronto right now? I have never had, I, I, I've been overwhelmed with the amount of people that say, I, yeah, the words are, the exact words, and I'll, and I'll quote them, I hate our mayor. I can't wait. I hope you win this election, Blake Acton, because our city has just gone down the drain. So I'm overwhelmed with the support. And, you know, as of right now, we've got over 150 volunteers volunteering. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm speechless. I could not believe there's so many people, like, and I thought it was just me, I thought, you know what, I've lived in the city all my life, and I, I see it. It's like a stock that's going down, and it continues to go down. So he has to go. John Tory cannot be the mayor on October the 24th. He cannot be elected, because if he is, I will bet my bottom dollar crime will continue to increase, and the streets are getting filthier and filthier. We'll see more homeless all over the place. We have to, we have to deal with these issues. We can't dance around them and, and and as of now all i hear is john tory has great lip service that's all he does is talk 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 he's a great lawyer he must be a great lawyer because all he does is talk and <laughs> but he doesn't act and so we can't have that anymore all i see is uh john tory cutting cakes and uh at, at happy festivals well those times are over let's fix our problems People are saying if if Blake Acton, if you're not elected or someone's not elected, other than John Tory, I'm moving out and I'm going to sell my home. I'm going to sell my condo. I'm going to move. I'll commute or or I'll I'll do other things. So we're a ghost town if we're not careful. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're I guess we're not quite Chicago yet. Uh, But tell me, Blake. When it comes to your platform, in addition to getting tougher on crime, in addition to pledging to clean up the city, to take down the various tent cities uh, that you find in so many parks, um, what other things are you promising uh, the citizens of Toronto? Well, 
we need an audit. We want to, like, if I were to ask anybody, and I do, I ask, do you know where the money's going? Like, we need an audit of what's happening, where the money's being spent. And, you know, running in politics, I, I would never have thought I'd run for mayor. And for me to run for mayor, it, it, it's got to be bad in Toronto because, uh, you know, we want to, I think that, that they wrote an article in, in one of the papers that said there's $12 million that went missing at one of the uh, shelters. So, it seems like there's no control of where the money's get, uh, mm. being thrown away. And we have to have an audit. We have to address the bike lanes as well. The uh, the bike lanes in Toronto, at first it was supposed to be a pilot project. Now they're all over the place. It's just, it's a free-for-all. I'm not against bike lanes, but I'm, I, I think we need more data and we need to know where to strategically put them. And right now, they're in places that uh, are, are creating gridlock. And what what's happening now is you're getting cyclists angry at cars and cars angry at cyclists. So they're not working in harmony and we have to get that back. So I will propose a proper uh, strategy in order to accommodate bike lanes in certain areas of the city and encourage the vehicles to, to run slow, uh, smooth as they used to be. You know what, Blake? If I was still living in the city, that alone would make me vote for you. And guess what? I'm a cyclist, as I often quip. Uh, the reason why I'm fat as opposed to circus fat is my cycling. Uh, but over the last two years, we saw Mayor John Tory. Um, I think he eradicated something like 50 kilometers of downtown Toronto streets, uh, street lanes, that is, and made them into bike lanes. You're absolutely right. The end result is gridlock. But I guess it doesn't affect John Tory. He uh, lives within walking distance of City Hall, assuming he's not zooming in uh, his contribution. So, um, yeah, there are so many uh, things plaguing this city. And I, I really do think we need a common sense individual like yourself uh, to clean house just to go full circle. Um, again, I'm looking at this horrible crime that was committed on Monday, double homicide a mechanic, a police officer, minding their own business, shot for apparently no reason at all. Do you think, Blake, that this horrific incident will bring about some change in terms of courts getting tougher with who they're letting out, with um, parole board members maybe not being so reckless when they roll the, roll the dice to allow a very violent offender to walk the streets? Or sadly, are we in for just more of the same? Well, let's hope not. I mean, it, it's, as I mentioned earlier, that, um, you know, this is going to continue. These senseless murders and crimes are going to continue until the, uh, the you know, it, it, it's, it's, nobody wants to hear it, but it is what it is. There's this radical left-wing woke society that seems to be, sort of, uh, it's, it's like a cancer. They're just spreading all throughout. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of apologizing for wanting to have a safe, clean city. And I'm not going to apologize for saying that we, we have to get tougher on, on criminals. And people just don't realize there are people in this world that we live in that have no intentions of getting a job and, uh, and, and living a, uh, a lawful lifestyle. There are people out there that are looking for their next victim and mm. have to lock them up. We have to crack down on them. We have to get back to the carding. 
the police are handcuffed without tools in order to protect the public. So the, if I'm elected as mayor, I believe public safety is number one. And whatever tools we can give the police in order to keep the citizens safe of Toronto, I'm in favor of. And when, I mean, the, stat, the statistics show it. When carding was stopped and when the, the Tavis program had stopped, crime went up. Yep. Well, why, did, why was that stopped? Because this radical left wing said, oh, no, 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 it's not fair. It's, a, and, and, you know, it's an intrusion into people's uh, rights on you can't be questioned. And, you know, uh, we, we can't have police officers, uh, uh, you know, interfering in certain areas. Well, I'm sorry. When it comes to public safety, yes, we can. We have to protect the citizens at all costs. We can't just protect uh, this, the people of Toronto at certain levels so that we can all argue over what's, uh, what's too much information and what's not enough. Right now, it's quite obvious. Well, Blake, I couldn't agree with you more. One last question. If our viewers want to find out more information about you and your platform, where do they go, sir? They go to voteacton.com. Okay, there you have it, voteacton.com. Blake, thank you so much for your time. Uh, the common sense uh, that you're uttering is so refreshing. Good luck on your quest for mayor. I, I want to thank you very much for reaching out. As I, I mentioned uh, earlier that, you know, I was on, uh, I, I've been interviewed a few times by other uh, media stations, not very many, and they've been very, very reluctant to, uh, to interview any other candidates that you know it, it's upsetting that the public need to know who else is out there to run for this position and right now it's just tory 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 and yeah. people they're they're being angered actually so it's, it's not even working for him because they're angry that the media not yourselves but the other mainstream media are uh, are, are not giving uh, the public a, a, a fair uh, shake on, on who else is, is running well, well, thank you. The, the, the legacy media failing to do their job yet again. Knock me down with a feather. <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's so disturbing. My mother used to watch certain uh, media rolling in her grave if she knew just how they're operating in today's day and age. Uh, you know, the media is supposed to be non-biased. And that's what I like about you people. You're non-biased. You tell the truth and you, you give the public what they need to hear. There's other media... Not so much, and, and shame on them. Well, there you go. Blake, thank you so much for the kind words, and good luck on the campaign trail, my friend. Once again, thank you for having me. Well, folks, lots of response to Ezra Levent's monologue regarding Pierre Polyev's resounding victory last Saturday at the Conservative Party of Canada Leadership Convention. Randy1743 writes, Canada under Trudeau is anything but fair, safe, and free. It's more like his wet dream about the Chinese way of governing. Yeah, and isn't it so funny, my friend, that it is Trudeau and his useful idiots in the mainstream media that are demonizing Pierre Polyev, calling him a fascist because he wants to, well, basically make Canada great again. Unbelievable. Benny Yasremsky writes, 
Pierre makes me feel proud to be a Canadian again. Let's get rid of that evil, deranged dictator, Trudeau. Well, you know, I'm not so sure Trudeau is a dictator yet, but hey, give him time. He's already got censorship bills that he wants to ramrod through. We saw his treatment of the Freedom Convoys. We saw how he deals with unfriendly press that asks impolite questions. So, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, folks, the sooner an election is called, the better. Our country deserves better than Prime Minister Blackface. Well, folks, thank you so much for tuning in to the, tonight's edition of the Ezra Levant Show. My beloved colleague, Sheila Gunn-Reed, she'll be guest hosting for Ezra tomorrow. In the meantime, as always, stay sane. For Rebel News, I'm Tamara Ugolini, and it appears that the case for natural immunity being superior reigns in the latest publication by the New England Journal of Medicine. And it also looks like the injections may hinder that process, despite the reassurance from politicians and supposed health experts that they were for your own good. In this report, I'm going to highlight some of the findings from that study, again published in the New England Journal of Medicine, but I'm also going to show you just how coordinated and orchestrated the attack, the war really, on natural immunity was and has been for the better part of two years. The study is titled Effects of Vaccination and Previous Infection on Omicron Infections in Children. Surprisingly, didn't detail exactly what it found. The study itself was conducted on a large cohort of children over a six-month period when the Omicron variant was dominant. The authors observed and reported on the protection conferred by Pfizer's BioNTech BNT162b2 vaccine and by previous SARS-CoV-2 infection against reinfection and coronavirus disease 2019-related hospitalization and death in children 5 to 11 years of age. Let's run through the numbers that they used. The study looked at a total of 887,193 children, of that, there were 193,346 SARS-CoV-2 infections that occurred between March 11th, 2020 and June 3rd, 2022. Of the infected children, there were 309 known to be hospitalized and seven were known to have died. Approximately 30% of the children included a total of 273,157 participants had received at least one dose of the Pfizer injections between November 1st, 2021 and June 3rd, 2022. The authors only detail this as their finding, and I quote, the rapid decline in protection against Omicron infection that was conferred by vaccination and previous infection provides support for booster vaccination. But the charts that they themselves show paint a much different picture. Let's dig in. Chart A shows the children who were vaccinated beginning in November. So the green line depicts those vaccinated in November and the blue were those vaccinated in December and so on. Both the green and blue lines go into negative space within five months of the first injection. Chart B represents vaccinated children who have not been previously infected, so that's the blue line, and those who had been previously infected, the red line. Again, these lines go into the negative on a steep decline within five months post-vaccination. Chart C and D is where it gets interesting. Chart D shows the effectiveness of natural immunity from previous infection among the vaccinated. 
The blue line denotes infection with the Delta variant. It still hits into the negative within seven months post-vaccination. It's assumed that the red line would continue on a similar path of decline too. Now let's look at chart C, which measured the effectiveness of previous infection against reinfection among unvaccinated children. Immunity wanes over time, but much more gradually. The blue line again is Delta, and even after eight months, it still hovers above 50%. And look at that green line. Natural immunity is still well in positive territory after 16 months. Why do the vaccinated cohorts have protection that goes negative, even if they have natural immunity too? The mainstream media and our supposed experts told us that hybrid immunity, or just that gained from vaccination alone, was far superior to natural immunity. Look at, for instance, perpetual victim reporter Rachel Gilmore. She may have gotten her facts wrong in her September 2021 headline piece titled, Fact Check. No, natural immunity doesn't replace vaccination, experts say. She inserts a clip of Dina Hinshaw, Alberta's Chief Medical Officer of Health, and here is what she had to say. Reports began circulating yesterday of an event where several people are said to have gathered in a deliberate attempt to acquire COVID-19 in order to develop post-infection immunity. What is important to know is that anyone contemplating this kind of activity should know that this consequence, severe illness and transmitting to others who may become severely ill or even die, is an absolutely likely outcome. If anyone wants to get protection from infection, vaccines are free, highly effective and easily available. The safest and best way to reach herd immunity for Albertans is to be vaccinated, plain and simple. It was a reoccurring theme in the mainstream media last fall as they amplified the CDC's findings here. CDC study suggests getting the vaccine will offer you much stronger immunity to COVID than natural immunity, meaning even if you previously had the virus, the vaccine will still offer better protection. Well, Vicki, researchers looked at data from nearly 200 hospitals across the country to make this conclusion. Local doctors saying this study is good information for vaccine holdouts or people looking to gain immunity by simply getting sick with COVID-19. The latter, experts say, is very risky because it can lead to ending up in the hospital or worse, death. Even in spite of data from Israel in August of 2021 that found natural immunity to be, again, superior to vaccine-induced, otherwise known as artificial immunity, the novel Injection Swindlers at City News worked hard to debunk that one. Natural immunity has been a hot topic of conversation since researchers in Israel released a study in August comparing those who were vaccinated and those who had recovered from COVID. The researchers of the study concluded that natural immunity post-COVID gave longer-lasting and stronger protection against infection, symptomatic disease, and hospitalization. But a Mayo Clinic doctor and expert in plasma and antibodies, which fight against viruses like COVID, disagrees. As he explains it, when someone is exposed for the first time to either an infection or a vaccine, your body's immune system responds quickly, but it doesn't last. Therefore, a second vaccination is needed to create long-term immunity. Up until now, natural immunity was always known to be superior than anything else. Fauci knew it then, but perhaps he needs this reminder. 
uh, but she's had the flu for 14 days. Should she get a flu shot? Well, no. If she got the flu for 14 days, she's as protected as anybody can be because the best vaccination is to get infected yourself. And so she if, not she get re- it? if she really has the flu, if she really has the flu, she definitely doesn't need a flu vaccine. Yeah, she really has the flu. She right. should not get it again. No, she doesn't need it because the, it's the be, it's the most potent vaccination is getting infected yourself. This is an ongoing question, and you know we've had ever evolving opinions from you, Dr. Fauci. Currently, antibody surveys show that eighty uh, percent of children, approximately eighty percent of children, have had COVID. And yet there are no guidelines coming from you or anybody in the government to take into account their naturally acquired immunity. You seem quite certain of yourself in 2004, but in 2022, there's a lot less certainty. And the study confirms just that. Not only does it confirm the strength of natural immunity, it also paints a very alarming picture. Not only do these injections become negatively effective after a few short months, but they may very well destroy the protection that would have otherwise been garnered by natural immunity. For Rebel News, I'm Tamara Ugolini.